information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Battle Mountain Podcast. I am your host, Zach Harold, and today I have on a, a new friend of mine, Luke Braswell. I actually met him at a film school that I was at. Uh, he was he was teaching uh, one of one of the the photography portion of the film school, and just picking Luke up and driving from the airport, you know, he rode with uh, Willie and I, we, and listening to all of the information that was stored in his mind about cameras. I remember looking at Willie a few times, like, we we don't even really know what he's talking about anymore. <laughs> and so... Luke, I, I, uh, I, how you doing today, man? I, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, I have a tendency sometimes when I'm getting in, uh, getting excited about some gear or whatnot, that I, I have a tendency to just go off the deep end um, and just get a little too technical sometimes. So. If if that is the case in this, just please let me know, and then we'll we'll definitely go from there. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, no problem. I I enjoy it because I like to soak it in and obviously try and learn as much as I can. Um, but it, it I it just comes back to you know you you get a hold of a camera and it's insane what a cam what cameras are capable of and and how much how how many things you can you can manipulate and change with a camera to get different results you know exactly so uh, you know i i thought uh, for first off i think it'd be kind of great to uh allow you to introduce yourself to the audience and kind of share a little bit about your background and uh kind of what it is that you do now yeah absolutely so um, like you said, my, my name is Luke Braswell. Um, I currently work for Bedford Camera and Video and Bedford Outdoors. Um, we supply um, pretty much most of the camera gear and support gear that you will need um, for uh, to, to film your hunts or to film your adventures in any which way. Um, but a little backstory on me. Um, I am uh, based out of Northwest Arkansas currently and i i'm actually a commercial photographer so outdoor stuff is is fun and exciting and i'm getting more into it but my background is definitely more commercial photography and commercial video awesome i went to uh school for uh that i went to school for uh, photography and videography which was a lot of fun mm -hmm. um but since then i've, I've gotten to travel um all over the U.S. doing uh, photo shoots for a variety of clients, um, even into Canada and Mexico and Belize and whatnot, which is That's a so lot of cool. Too. So um, I, I I get to still do that um, while working here. So usually, if I'm out of the office, it's most generally because I'm on another shoot. So <laughs> gotcha. It's, it, it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun though. 
Well, that's wicked. So I guess being that you probably went to college, you know, you went to college for photography, is it safe to assume that, uh, you know, uh, cameras and photography and all that kind of stuff has always been an interest of yours? You know, it's funny that you say that, um, or funny that you ask that. I had no clue that I wanted to do anything camera related until I was almost graduating high school. Um, I, I had never picked up an actual camera until the second semester of, or the last semester of, uh, high school. Um, it was this weird happenstance type of thing. I was, I was doing a summer job or actually it's not a summer job, but an after school job for the school that I was going to running their, their, uh, concession stand for a basketball game. I played baseball, had no interest in basketball. So I was like, sure, I'll make some, a little extra money. Right. And there was a, a photographer there that had at the time I thought was the best camera I've ever seen in my life. Uh, (laughs) He had this wicked lens on it with a huge flash and all kinds of stuff. And she was taking sports photos of the basketball teams and it was a tournament and she was kind of winding down, getting, um, you know, taking a break and whatnot. And I just asked her some questions and she was like, actually here, you want to go take some pictures of the the game? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I was running all over the place, all over this basketball court, all over the gymnasium, taking photos. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. That's so cool. I'm, I'm, I'm sure every single one of those photos were complete garbage. Um, but it was so much fun. I had a great time and it was really funny because like three weeks later, uh, I did a school tour for, um, OSU. So Oklahoma state university and come to find out they had a photography program that I happened to like walk into, um, on a school tour. And it was, it was really cool. I got to talk to the instructors and everything. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. You feel free to apply, but you know, you do have to have a portfolio as part of the application process and whatnot. And I was like, oh, great. I've only taken photos like one time in my life. So let's see how this goes. So I, I, I actually rented a camera in shot for like one day, just random stuff. I'm talking like a rock in a a creek, um, some leaves floating through the water, like random stuff and turned it in as a portfolio. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get in. And they actually accepted me, which was the craziest thing in my head. Um, (laughs) and, and so I went through school there and grew more of a love for it as I I got into it deeper and even and definitely fell in love with it once I got into the more commercial aspect of it utilizing lighting gear and you know studio work and all kinds of stuff there Um, I love doing that type of of work so um, it was really awesome when I got to do that and then I ended up getting a commercial photography position at a um, agricultural company before I even graduated, uh, college. 
um, and moved down there and finished my last semester online, basically, so that I could get that job, um, which it was it was a lot of fun. And I've been doing it ever since. Um, so Bedford, actually, Bedford Camera Video and Bedford Outdoors, they they hired me on as a uh, basically my position is a pro support specialist. So they pulled me out of the commercial realm in the sense of an everyday job. Um, and I get to kind of meld the two together now. Um, so I work here for Bedfords and, and, and help them with all of their pro support stuff. But then I still do a lot of uh, photo shoots and whatnot outside of it. So it's, it's, it's fun. Um, I wouldn't say that I always knew that's what I wanted to do, but it definitely, uh, took shape, you know, later on for sure. That's awesome. So how, how did you go from, eh, yeah, I'm going to take some pictures of these leaves and rocks yeah. <laughs> to I'm going to charge. I, I, I'm not sure what you charge a day right now, but to whatever it is now. And I'm going to take commercial photos of for car companies and uh lingerie companies and like that's yeah. that's a big jump and you're i don't know how old you are luke but you're not that old so you covered some some ground in in not a real long amount of time so how the hell did you do that <laughs> yeah um a lot of sleep, sleepless nights to be honest um <laughs> there's there's no there's no short way around it um it's it's a lot of networking, um, working with people and working with people that are better than you. Um, that's that's a huge thing, um, because if you if you are working with someone or being mentored by someone that is um, at your skill level or lower, you'll never really grow. Um, so I always made sure that I was surrounding myself with people that are better at a certain application than I was. Um, and once I got to a point that I felt that, um, that they and I were on the same level, we stayed friends and we still work together. And I, I mean, some of my, one of my first instructors, uh, my first mentor, he's one of my best friends. I mean, he literally was, uh, one of my groomsmen in my wedding, but I, I don't typically, um, refer to him as a mentor anymore necessarily. Um, but I find other people that I, I have relationships with that are better than I am. And that's the key, like finding people that are better than you and not getting, um, not getting too cocky. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Uh, not being too full of yourself and understanding that, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. There's always somebody out there better. Right. Um, and, and that's a big mindset um, that you, you really have to have to make this work uh, as, as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible, because that's how I, I learned most of what I'm doing is, is by finding great mentors and, and really soaking in everything I possibly can 
um, from them. And that's, that's a huge part of it. And just being able to humble yourself enough to say, hey, I'd be more than happy to carry your bags as you're doing a shoot. Or, you know, I'd be happy to, you know, pack in all your gear out into the middle of nowhere so that I can see what you're doing to learn how you you go through your process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a huge part of it. So I can't I can't tell you how many times I've gone from, you know, working with a company that I like, for example, there's a a company based out of New York called Paul Evans. They make very high end, um, men's dress shoes. Okay. They, I mean, they start at like four to $500 a pair. Holy Um, shit. They are, they're, they're hand. So they're, they design them in New York and they hand make them in Italy. Um, and then they are, basically, you know, made to order. So you will get a a package in from Italy, um, you know, with your shoes in it. And I actually was able to buy a pair of them so that I could take photos of them. And, and that actually started a, a great relationship. Um, I worked with them, like I took photos of them without any pay. Actually, I was out money um, because I bought a pair of these shoes so that I could photograph them and make product shots with them and do some stuff with that product. And I just posted them on my Instagram and tagged them in it and, and whatnot. And they were so excited about the photographs that I now have like six or seven pairs of these shoes because they've just sent them to me so that I could do stuff with them and worked with them and ended up then becoming a client, um, of, of, you know, what I do work-wise. So it's been a really cool, um, avenue there, but that's kind of what I'm getting at is you never know what you do or what will make the biggest impact. Um, so just keep striving, keep working. And even if it's not for a job, even if it's not for a, a client, you have to be continuously working on yourself, working on your skill level, working on things that, um, excite you, um, whether that's, you know, going out and hunting and doing certain, um, you know, camera operations or whatnot, that's, if that's what you want, you have to keep focusing on that and working for yourself to get a portfolio at a level that someone would want to pay you for it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think, um, what, what's a really good analogy to the hunting world? I think, uh, shooting your bow could be, could be a really good analogy. Like if, if you are trying to tell people how to work on their bow or how to hunt or, or kill animals with a bow and you've only ever shot one yourself, um, the likelihood of somebody truly listening to you is not very good. Uh, but you know, on the flip side, if, if you've shot 20, 30 animals with a bow and you have stories and you have experience and you can truly help someone and you have, you know, good photos to back all that up. It's, it's a lot easier for somebody to go, okay, cool. Yeah. I want to listen to this person. You know what I mean? 
Exactly. And it's, and it's that exact thing. Um, when you're trying to build a clientele that is actually supporting you financially, um, it's, it's all about, it's a show me industry. Um, you can have the best talk, the best game, the best, you know, salesman ability, but if you don't have the work that can back it up, then it's really for nothing. Um, and that's, that's, and how you get that work is to continuously push yourself, continuously find people that inspire you. Um, and, and the great thing about, you know, photography and videography is the applications are different, but the skill set is the same. So I, I take photos of, of, you know, people and things for like magazines or, or commercials or things like that, or, you know, Italian handmade shoes. I mean, definitely not the uh, the product that you would get out in the backwoods of Wyoming, um, but it's all the same skill set. And right. even if even if you find something that you absolutely love or inspires you from a painting or from TV shows or movies or things like that. They're all utilizing composition. They're all utilizing art elements and, and elements that you will be integrating into your own personal work. So the great thing about photography and videography is the fact that you can find inspiration, find um, technical skills that you want to achieve through various forms of, of media, whether that's, like I was saying, painting or drawing or um, other photography or um, videography through TV shows and movies and music videos or whatever it may be. I mean, there are thousands of places to pull inspiration from. And I think that's a, a huge part of, you know, what creates a, a active impressive videographer or DP or photographer is their style because everybody in the world can pick up a camera and, you know, hit record. Now the skill set and the styling behind that is what sets you apart from, you know, the person down the street. Um, and that's, and I think that's a big part of it is finding the things that you are passionate about and and really focusing on how you can showcase that item or that um, trait um, in the best light possible. Um, so like for me, when I was in school, I love cars. I love motorcycles. I love cars. And it wasn't part of my curriculum, but I brought in car after car after car after car into a studio and did all kinds of crazy lighting setups and stuff that took like days to get one photo. I mean, <laughs> there was, there was a photograph that I was showing a, a coworker of mine of a, a Corvette that I did. And I, he was like, how long did that take you? I said, just the setup to build the set around it was two days. The photographing of a day because I had to light it all different ways. And then it took me like 26 hours in Photoshop to finalize it the way that I wanted it. <laughs> and, uh, and I got one photo from it. 
uh, <laughs> from all of that work, all of that money spent, um, you know, getting this this piece of content. And it was one photograph. But I'm still years later. I'm so happy that I have that photo. I mean, it was a shitload of work, but good <laughs> God, it was it was amazing being able to, you know, bring two two parts of my passions together, you know, from the automotive realm and the the creative photographic realm. Um, and you know, everybody can take pictures of cars. It's just how you do it, how you how much effort you put into it. What's your styling? What makes it your photograph? What makes it your video? Um, and I, I, I'm on a tangent now. You got me rolling. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I that, love it. That's what, that's what I'm getting at, though, is the fact that um, in this short amount of time from the time that I was in in school um, and from even from my senior year of high school up to now, and I'm, I'm 27. So, I mean, I'm not not terribly old there. Um, but that was that was what I did was I just focused on the things that I was passionate about, focused on um, my technical skills, surrounding myself with people that are much better at at what I'm trying to do um, than I was and learning from them, being a sponge. Don't don't think yourself too high to carry someone's bags. I mean, that's that's kind of the mentality that you have to go about it to really get all of the skill set and knowledge that you need. Um, any any great photographer or videographer out there, if they're honest with you, they will say there's this one person or these these group of people that helped them in so many ways that they don't even know about. Um and it's it's because they they were a sponge around those people and just absorbed as much information as they possibly could. Yeah, I I agree, and I think I think one of the one of the hangups of of people doing that is you know I guess another word for it is finding your niche, right? And I think a a, a thing I think a hangup is is it, myself included. You know, um, I look at something like taking uh, a picture of landscape um, or taking even a video of landscape. And I'm like, what in the world can I do to make this different? Because it's, it's pretty easy to just press record and you got the picture of the landscape, you know? Absolutely. So it's like, it, it's trying to maybe think outside the box. Kind of like you said, like maybe I can add movement. Maybe, maybe Absolutely. I could, make this landscape into a hyperlapse. Maybe, you know, there's so much stuff that you can do, but it's, it's kind of hard also at the same point to be like, how can I be different? You know? Absolutely. And that's, and that's where you just have to keep trying new things. Right. That's, that's the hard part about it is it's incredibly easy to be complacent and to get a good shot, but it's really difficult to get a shot that is yours, that to get to go from good to great. There are so many different um, photographers and videographers out there that could get really good stuff. But when you see that that reel or you see that that episode and you go, whoa, 
<laughs> that was great. And you talk to those people and you're like, okay, their mindsets are different. They were trying different things. They were adding movement. They were doing all these different things. Whereas the average person would have just set it on a tripod and hit record for 30 seconds. You know, right. they, they put effort and thought into that 30 second clip to make it so much more than it was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and don't get me wrong at first, that's going to be, it, it could literally be hours of process to work through one shot to get a 30 second clip or a 15 second clip even. But as you get better, as you work through this, as you get more comfortable and your skill level increases, you will have so much more time and efficiency later on that when you get to that same situation, you can be like, oh, I want to do this. And it take you 30 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is that would have taken you hours to do before. Um, so there is light at the end of the tunnel in the sense of like, <laughs> okay, I've got a, you know, a, a 60 second video that I'm trying to create and I need, you know, five weeks to do it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe at the beginning you would have a lot longer time to figure out how to do things. But as you get better, as you build that skill set, it, it does get easier. That's for sure. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Kind of what I would, I mean, I, I honestly, just for myself, I have so many questions for you. Um, e- even as simple as, uh, you know, your thoughts on using something like Zenfolio for an online portfolio or simply utilizing Instagram. Um, you know, like I said, I have so many, <laughs> so many questions and thoughts that start pinballing around in my head. Um, but, uh, you know, a question that, and, and I have way, way less camera experience than you, and, and that's why I'm having you on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but a question that I get asked a lot is, hey, I'm going to be doing this kind of hunting, and what kind of camera would you recommend? So okay. I thought it would be kind of cool for me to kind of give you a couple different scenarios and then maybe we could dive into, you know, the, the type of quip, equipment that you think would best aid that specific scenario. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, wicked. Well, uh, the first uh, – and then on top of that, I'll kind of throw out maybe some camera ideas or, or cameras and get your input and be like, Hell no, that's a dumb camera to use. Don't use that one. <laughs> or, okay. Or use this one instead. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, one, of the, one of the most common questions, uh, uh, scenarios that I get asked about is, hey, I want to get into self-filming. Um, okay. And filming is, their, is the main focus here. Um, and they're going to go out and – they're going to, you know, probably just put it on a tripod and don't want to mess with a, a ton of different uh, settings. And not, like I said, once again, uh, pictures are not a huge priority. Right. Uh, so would you, would you recommend some type of like 
I, I can't remember what that camera is that Willie has is called that ZWXP90 uh, or whatever it was. ZWXP90. Um, yeah, yes. would you recommend something more along those lines as opposed to like a like a Sony A7 III? Absolutely. So for someone that doesn't want to be so bogged down about the lens selection, the the camera settings and things like that, um, and and they're going to be self-filming, a handy cam or a camcorder, um, a prosumer camcorder or something like that, that is a much better option in my opinion just because one – they are actual video cameras. So one thing that's really a struggle with a lot of DSLR or mirrorless cameras, well, actually most of them, is the fact that they have a record limit of 29 minutes and 59 seconds. At that mark, no matter if you still have battery and you still have, you know, um, space on the memory card, it will stop the recording and you will have to restart the recording. So for somebody that's, you know, has it in a tree stand with them and they're focusing on what they're doing, not necessarily the camera. Well, if they don't pay attention to it, it could not be recording the whole time. Gotcha. Um, so that's one benefit. And two, the benefit is the fact that with those cameras they have slightly smaller sensor sizes which means the depth of field or what is in focus is actually more is broader so you have the ability to set a camera in the in a on a tripod or in a stand with you and not have to worry so much about the camera going out of focus and everything's blurry and whatnot um plus generally because the sensor size is smaller, they're less expensive, and they have a, a typically a little better zoom for the money when you're referring to like a, a DSLR, a mirrorless camera, like an a7 III. Um, okay. And they will have a little better audio connections. Um, typically, they're much less expensive depending on which way you go. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to that type of system over a mirrorless or a DSLR. Um, now the downsides, um, to going to something like that is one, you don't have lens selection. Um, one of the main reasons why you see a, a, a industry professional or someone utilizing a camera that has interchangeable lenses is it be, it's because it gives you more options let's say with the the camcorder you're trying to get it wider than what it can go there's no option or further out than what the zoom will take you there's no additional options whereas with a a dslr or a mirrorless system or even a um, cinema camera they have interchangeable lenses so that you can change the the angle of view of your your shot it'll also allow for more creative options in the sense of lower apertures working in better in low light um having a shallower depth of field to really separate your um subject matter from the background um there's a lot of 
you know, back end things as well. Um, typically a camcorder will, even if it shoots 4k, which is fantastic. Um, it's not going to be as robust of a 4k system as like a, a cinema camera or even some of the newer, um, mirrorless cameras like a seven three or the a seven S three. Um, and that, that, depending on how much editing you're going to do on the background or on the back end could really adjust your, your view on that type of camera. Okay. Okay. And, and, uh, those, those handy cams, they also, um, uh, once again, the one that, gosh, dang, I can't remember the damn name of that one that Willie has. Yeah. The um, Z90. The Z90. Yeah. That one, I, I thought I, when I was looking at it, I was like, man, that's pretty handy. It's got, it's got XLR inputs in, exactly. and, you know, like that's, that's pretty handy. If your sole purpose is to, uh, is to film, you know, you don't have to mess with little mixers and all that stuff. And that's, and that's what I was meaning. Depending on what camcorder you're going with, a lot of them have better audio connectivity in the sense that it will actually have, it could have a handle on the top that has two XLR inputs with, um, dedicated controls for both. Um, and typically it'll also have a third input that will allow for like a, um, 3.5 millimeter jack. I mean, so you could have a lapel mic on it connected and utilizing your own, um, personal audio, but then you could also have a shotgun mic on it, getting audio down range. I mean, so you can, and you can mix the <laughs> think i lost you hello hello <laughs> uh, that was hilarious you're like and you can mix it and i just hear beep 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 what happened that's crazy i don't i don't know what happened there <laughs> it's all good I was like, I still have full service, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I it's all good. Um, all right. Anyways. <laughs> that that kind of gives you more options, having a camcorder style. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Not all camcorders are going to have that top handle with XLR inputs and everything. You typically are getting more into like a prosumer camcorder instead of just a consumer cam, camcorder at that point. So they are generally a little bit more expensive. But it's it's great for ease of use, especially for someone that is going to be self filming. Gotcha, gotcha. And that to me that makes that makes perfect sense. So let's say um, the exact almost the exact same scenario, but now there the the person is also interested in being able to take some some pictures. Um, yeah. Once again, not so not so worried about interchangeable lenses and everything like that. Um, a camera that I have really enjoyed using when it comes to filming, but also taking photos and not wanting to have the bulk of carrying around lenses and all that is the the Sony RX Ten Four. I think absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were to recommend a camera, uh, that. That's exactly where I was going. Oh, really? Well, I, at least I wasn't using the wrong one. <laughs> no. So an all-in-one kind of like a, a 
more like, it's called a bridge camera. Um, and okay. it's something that is more than just a typical point and shoot, but isn't quite a full size, you know, interchangeable lens camera. It's still going to have a fixed lens on it. So you can't change lenses, but it gives you the capability of taking um, really nice photographs and have good um, video as well. A great one, if, if you're ever able to um, rent it, especially if you're going out and doing some like um, elk hunting or something like that, where you may be a little bit longer range. Um, the Nikon P1000 is absolutely insane because really? it has a built-in zoom, optical zoom, of up to a thousand millimeters. Holy smokes. Yes. So you can actually zoom in, I mean, so, so far away. Yeah. And get, and get really pretty great shots. Um, so there's, there's a lot of options out there. But in that case, someone that um, wants to take photos um, and do some filming, but they're doing it on their own, um, I would I would definitely suggest going towards like a bridge camera. Now, the issue with that is it is not a camcorder or a cinema camera, so it will generally have a record limit. Um, so every, you know, 29 minutes, you'll want to check in and make sure that your camera is still recording. Um, so that's that's kind of the ups and downs of that system okay okay yeah i uh you know kind of playing off what you said about the nikon i i know with the sony it goes out to i think 600 millimeters and i i am i've always been blown away with with how good uh you know the quality of image it retains even all the way out to 600 millimeters it kind of blows me away honestly Absolutely. 600 millimeters is a long lens. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine packing around, you know, like on an elk hunt, packing around a, a 600 millimeter lens? Not even close. You might as well just leave your bow and rifle and just take the gun or take the camera because that's all you're going to be able to pack in. Right. Right. Um, well, that's awesome. Like that, that's, that's, you know, it's in when I, especially like self-filming. Actually, last year was, I rented that, that Sony camera. I just mentioned self-filming last year in South Dakota. And man, it made, because it, uh, it also, uh, something I didn't really mention is it's so much lighter than running, say, like a Sony a7 III in the 70 to 200, for instance. Right. Um, the, it's just so much lighter. And I I just... I was I was I was very pleased with how easy it was to use to self film, but then also I I took a few night photos and and things like that. And I just like man, this this is working out pretty well. This is awesome. Exactly, absolutely. So now, kind of uh, stepping up, maybe to to somebody that that is that is okay with with having to change out lenses and. You know, maybe not like a, you know, uh, like a 50 megapixel type camera, maybe a little bit mm -hmm. lower than that, but, you know, shoots some 4K, um, fairly compact. 
maybe maybe mirrorless, maybe not. I, I not not really pre- preferred either way. Um, you know, I I shoot the Sony A7 III when it comes to kind of this category. Uh, what what would you personally recommend uh, for for pictures as well as 4K type video? Um, obviously, you need audio inputs and things like that. Um, what would what would kind of be at the top of your list? Well, it it really depends. It's kind of a loaded question, right? Uh, so let's let's put it this way: if you are planning on doing a majority of your work in video, I they have mirrorless systems and DSLR systems that are primarily designed around the video aspect. Um, for example, like the a7s series um from sony or even like the canon r6 um line that would be a good one even they even used to make a cinema or like c series like um 1dxc's for um cinema purposes or video purposes um so it if your primary goal is to get as much video as possible i would gear myself towards one of those cameras that have more options when it comes to video recording. Now, the downside to going with a mirrorless or um, DSLR system when it comes to video recording is the fact that it does not have the greatest audio connectivity. Um, And typically, typically you're going to want to buy a, um, you know, a, an external mic, whether it be a shotgun mic or a a lapel mic. And if you want to get multiple sources of audio, you'll have to grab, you know, like an audio mixer or something like that, that allows you to um, input multiple mics at the same time. Whereas with a a camcorder or a prosumer camcorder, things like that, um, they'll have multiple audio inputs already. And they will have better audio inputs, such as like XLR inputs and, and full-size XLRs so that you can utilize multiple sources of audio into one, one video feed. Okay. And with the DSLRs or the mirrorless systems, you typically have to get additional equipment to make that really feasible. Um, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but you're to get a good one, you could be spending anywhere from... $300 to $800. Um, in addition to what your, your camera cost and lens costs are. So, I mean, there's, there's that. Now there are good cameras like the a seven three that do offer pretty significant, uh, video capabilities, but are also a 20 megapixel, 24 megapixel sensor, um, that allow for great imagery as well. Now, there's a lot of cameras out there that have a high resolution sensor. Um, you know, something like the a seven R three or a seven R four, um, something like the R five or the Nikon D eight fifty. I mean, those cameras have, you know, 45 megapixels, 42 megapixels, somewhere in there that are super high resolution images. Um, but there are, limitations to those cameras as well and 
the the thing to be remembering is where are you going to put those images at the end okay at the end of your project what is what is the goal what is the application for this imagery okay uh, because if all it is if its sole purpose is to be viewed digitally online or um, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or on a website or Vimeo or wherever, um, most generally, you're only going to be showing a 8 to 12 megapixel image at the most. Um, because those, those um, websites, those platforms, downsample the resolution automatically when you upload them. So, even if you have a 45 or a 50 megapixel sensor, at the end of the day, once you put them up onto social media or onto a website or things of that nature, your your effective resolution is really pretty minimal. So that's why I'm always um, trying to remind people that it's not always about the resolution of the sensor unless you plan to just print these on massive 40 by 60s or, you know, something even larger, um, it's really not a too terrible of a thing to have a little bit lower resolution sensor. Okay. Um, so that's why you would see like the A7S series, um, the A7S, S2, and S3 now, um, they only have a 12 megapixel sensor. So most people are like, oh, my goodness, I mean, I can get a, you know, a little bitty Canon Rebel that has 20 megapixels. So why would I want that? And there's a lot of a lot of back end things that go into that um, type of scenario. But the fact that 12 megapixels still prints a 13 by 19 image without any cropping, without any stretching. Um, so that is more than adequate for a anything viewed on a digital display, because even a 4K monitor can't actually facilitate 12 megapixels. It's more resolution than a 4K monitor can can show you. 8K monitors now we're getting close, um, but even on a laptop or on a phone or on you know, a, a website or social media, anywhere like that, you're not even going to get the full resolution of 12 megapixels. Gotcha. So, um, so I, I try to um, make that very aware for people when they're looking at upgrading or looking at getting additional camera gear. Um, and their, their primary goal is, yes, I want to do mostly video. But there's going to be 30% of the time that I want to take some photos. Um, and, and the great thing about it is if you think about the end product, the end destination, um, you know, up front, you can really get a lot out of less. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with buying one of those cameras that have 50 megapixels and shoot all kinds of photos and then do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and print them or put them on social media, they'll still look good. It's just unless you plan to print or to crop a vast majority of your work, um, 
a 12 megapixel sensor is more than adequate. A 18 megapixel is exceptionally more than adequate. Um, so if your primary goal is to do video, but have some um, photos on the side and they're going up on you know social or any digital platform, 12 megapixels is great. Get a camera that is designed for video purposes and has good um, capabilities in photos, but get a camera that's designed with a videographer in mind, like the A7S. Gotcha. No, that that makes perfect sense. Because um, just like you say, I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't uh, you you wouldn't go buy a, a suction cup bow that shoots you know Nerf darts to go on an elk hunt. <laughs> <laughs> May maybe if we're if we're hunting the elusive Grinch, um. that's right. That's right. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, make sure that you sign up next year for Film the Hunt School. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> we got to hunt Luke Braswell. He was the elusive Grinch. <laughs> that's right. Um. Well, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, the last thing that I kind of want to touch on, uh before because I, obviously I, I like I said I have so many other questions that uh, maybe at a le- another time we could Absolutely. you and I could look at those questions and, and then maybe do a, a podcast around that and then uh, I would assume that there's probably a list of questions that you get asked most frequently um, yeah and and maybe maybe on a podcast we could cover that as well and and <clears throat> Maybe by some grace of God, it might kind of slow down all the questions, all the redundant questions you get. <laughs> all good. Um, so what I what I would like to talk a little bit about is audio options. Okay. Because um, especially with video, obviously, uh, other than unless you're shooting in like slow motion or something like that, and you then do sound design, uh, if you, you if you don't have good audio, your video tends to really suck. Um, absolutely you know like <laughs> let's be honest right yeah absolutely. Um, so i and just that was, i first started school my first video class in in college my instructor got up in front of the class and he said you could shoot the most gorgeous beautiful amazing visuals you've ever seen in your life but if your audio sucks the video sucks <laughs> and stuck with me and it's true you could nobody wants to listen to a you know somebody talking about something and barely understand what they're saying right i mean that's that's a huge part of it yes i i i couldn't agree more and 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 at the same point you know audio cutting in and out like if somebody's walking and it's like that sucks just as much so uh, with that maybe maybe we could just talk a little bit about maybe kind of a, a beginner maybe type setup of audio, maybe even as, as small as just a little bit nicer shotgun mic um, to kind well, of an intermediate to it? maybe like KLR2 or K, whatever the hell that thing is at Sony. I, I never remember the names. It's just not good with names. Um, that, that thing <laughs> and maybe a Sennheiser wireless. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and how about we, how about we kind of do this real quick? Yeah. Um, maybe not get into like specific models necessarily, but let's talk about just some of the main 
audio sources, like the art audio mics there are out there that people cool. are utilizing. That sounds um, great. I, one of the main questions I get is like, one, what is a shotgun mic and why do I need it? Um, so that's that may be a, a good question to kind of <laughs> yeah, Luke. I mean, my my camera has an inboard microphone. I don't need I don't need a shotgun mic. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so to give you to, to kind of simplify this down and make it as as comprehensible as possible, and giving you the most information, let's talk about the different types of microphones okay. you have you have you know onboard microphones that every camera that you get typically will have some type of built-in microphone um then you'll have a shotgun microphone a wireless lavalier or a wired lavalier um and then you'll have something that's more of an omnidirectional microphone. So those are kind of some of the most common uh, microphones that you'll see. One, the the onboard microphone, the built-in microphone, isn't very good at all. Um, and that, <laughs> I think, is an understatement. Um, um, they, they will typically have um, a lot of airy spacey crackly not very good audio um which if you're first starting out and that's all you have 100 do it um and and don't get me wrong and i'm going to preference all of this with saying like the best piece of gear the best camera the best audio source that you have on hand is the best audio it is the best camera the one that you have in your hand is the best um because you are able to utilize that right now and go get a shot right now. Um, and, and so tangent, sorry, That's but good. back to audio, the next one that you would find typically are, are going to be like a shotgun mic. Okay. Now a shotgun mic is a type of microphone that is very directional. Um, and depending on which shotgun mic you get, there's a lot of them out there from a lot of brands, um, but the in essence, what it does is it picks up audio directly in front of that microphone at a certain distance. And it could be, you could be two inches from it, or you could be 20 feet from it. As long as you are in front of that microphone, that is the, the key source of audio that it's going to pick up. So you could have somebody five feet in front of the microphone and five feet behind the microphone talking to each other. And you will notice a vast difference um, between the clarity, the volume, the, um, the basically the feeling of that audio from the person in front of you in comparison to the one behind you. Um, and, and it will always be picking up the one in front of you far better. Um, so that's a directional mic, a shotgun mic. And the one that uh, most people are starting to get into is what's called a lav mic. Okay. They have wireless microphone, uh, wireless lavaliers. They have um, wired lavaliers. But why that's important is because you have a tiny little microphone that you clip on to your, your 
collar or your jacket or whatever it may be, and it will pick up your personal audio. Now, the great thing about it, especially if they're wireless, is you can have the camera pointed off downrange at, at the target, and you could be off to the side of it, and all of your audio is coming through perfectly crisp and clean. So you can be talking to the camera without the camera pointing at you and getting beautiful audio. Um, and, and that's even in the case of a lot of these microphones, you can go, you know, a hundred feet away, 200 feet away, 300 feet away and still get great audio. Um, so that's an, always an option, um, as far as trying to get the best on person audio. Now, the next one would be, uh, basically an omnidirectional microphone, um, or a, a, now I'm drawing a blank on what the other term is, but a microphone that is not directional, meaning you can get microphones that if you set in the middle of the room, it would pick up every bit of audio going on throughout the entire room, or at least the vast majority of it. And what those are great for are, are times that you need ambient audio, okay. something like like you set it in the middle of the woods, you turn it on record and you just sit there because it's going to pick up the the wind through the trees, the grass rustling, the tree, the you know, any water or any type of audio that is coming from 360 degrees. It will be picking that up. So where the other options we've talked about so far are very directional you have a you know something that's going to be picking up directly in front of the camera and microphone or you're going to have something that is picking up a, a vastly vast majority of just the audio from your your person um, whereas an omnidirectional microphone will be a far a far more ambiance type of of recording so those are kind of the main microphones that you would see um, and, and there are varying degrees of quality, um, sound clarity, and, and build quality. But those are basically the, the main microphones that you would see on a day-to-day. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, um, you know, especially, especially with, uh, the, as, the, as they're coming out with more and more uh, affordable style and small wireless mic sets, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's getting to be more and more like almost as like the standard of, of something that a filmmaker will have. Um, and yeah, I, I, there's, there's just so much that can go into audio and, and the quality of the audio and everything like that. Um, the last thing as far as audio goes, and then we'll wrap this up is, do you recommend, so say somebody is running, you know, one of the wireless lav mics you just discussed and maybe like a shotgun mic with that to pick up maybe an elk bugling and then have the lav mic on the hunter, right? That's probably one of the more common types of scenarios. Do you recommend going with something you know, really simple, like just a splitter cable so that it splits on first channel and second channel? Uh, 
or utilizing something like a, a small mixer, like, uh, you know, very small, like beach tech type mixer? So it's a good question. Now, the first, the first question I ask is one, what would be that person's budget? Okay. Because there are budgets that wouldn't allow for a mixer of any sort. Um, and if that's, if that's the case, get both of the audio tracks, get a little splitter, put it in there and hopefully it'll work well for you. But by far the better option is to get a mixer. And the reason for that is when you have a mixer, you can have dedicated inputs um, from each microphone. So you can control the audio. You can control the mix between your shotgun mic um, getting the L bugling and you can you can control the audio level of your your hunter and getting what he's here what he's saying or she's saying um and then being able to mix and balance those two together into the best combination is why you would want to have that that audio mixer because if you just get a splitter you have no audio control individually you have audio control together so as you turn up you're turning both microphones up as you turn down you're turning both microphones down so if you have um a, a part where the the wind is blowing through the trees and hitting the the shotgun mic just terribly wrong so the audio is horrible coming from that but your lavalier microphone is getting great audio you have no way to dial back one or the other does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And and I think from from what I've learned and and read about and watched videos on it, it then forces the preamp of the camera to handle all the audio. And correct camera preamps aren't near as good as is like a mixer or, or something like that. There, correct? The, absolutely. And okay. there's and, and that is the same um, the same concept. You know, I hate to say this, but in this realm, in this industry, you get what you pay for. Right. Uh, that is, there are a lot of industries. Same with hunting stuff, the, man. Same right. with hunting stuff. There's a lot of industries out there that it, it really doesn't matter. There's not much between, you know, the lower level, the mid level, and the higher level. But in, in photography and videography and audio equipment, you get what you pay for for the vast majority of it. So if you're buying a, a, mixer that is you know fifty dollars you're going to get the quality of a fifty dollar mixer if you get a mixer that is five hundred dollars you get the quality and options for a five hundred dollar mixer right uh, so and and to kind of agree with what you were saying that preamp in your camera is probably like a fifty dollar preamp or less you know it, right. it's really it's really not that great if that's all you have that's perfectly fine but know that to elevate your quality to elevate the product that you deliver whether it's to your client or to you know youtube um you need to make sure that you're elevating the equipment with the need so if you're you're an if your project requires more audio control, probably best to invest into a, a nice preamp or a nice mixer so that you can get better audio. 
Gotcha. Cool. Well, Luke, like I said, throughout this conversation, so many questions came up. And uh, I think it would be really awesome to, I mean, obviously have you back on, but maybe before the recording starts, go over some of those questions and then also add some of the most common questions that you get. And we might be able to create a... uh, uh, a very not that the, obviously this podcast is very helpful, but um, uh, another very helpful podcast. Absolutely, just let me know. 